Let's go in our Bibles this morning, Matthew and chapter 7. As we're seeking to build families of faith by the glory of God this year, uh, we want to lead our family up the narrow way. Matthew chapter 7. Sure is good to have everybody in church. And we love having children in church, don't we, church family? Amen. Amen. A church without kids is a dying church, all right? So we're glad we're in church and good to have each of you. And happy birthday, Travis. Good to have you in church today. Good to see you made it in. His birthday was yesterday. And uh, so glad you made it today. Matthew and chapter 7, verse 13. The Bible tells us in verse 13, we're going to read down the next 10 verses. It says, Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate, broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven... But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. This passage deals with everything that we will face as a family of faith, as we seek to lead others to the King of Kings, as we seek to ourselves walk the narrow way, it deals with everything we will face. Jesus describes back in verse 13, Enter ye in, he says, at the straight gate. There is a straight gate, there is a narrow way, he speaks of, this narrow path. All religions do not lead to heaven. Only faith in Jesus Christ leads to heaven. He says back, or down, in, down if you would, in verse 17, even so every good tree, what does he say? Bringeth forth what kind of fruit? But a corrupt tree bringeth forth what kind of fruit? And then, lest we take pride in our fruit, he says in verse 21, not every one that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that, what does he say? Doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. A sign that you're in the kingdom of God or in the kingdom of the world is are you listening to the voice of God? Are you listening to the voice of God? Not doing the will of a man, doing the will of the Father which is in heaven. That's the key. Because he says in verse 22, many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we prophesied in have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. This morning you may be here and you may have heard of the faith for many years. You may be around it. You may know you need to put your faith in Christ, but you've not yet done it. And you might say the reason, maybe the reason you're not in the faith is you say, well, um, 
I found some religious people, some Christians, and they are hypocrites, right? Verse 22 deals with that. Jesus says there are those who will do the good deeds, do the works, cast out devils, have great power. But he says in verse 23, I will profess unto you, he says, I profess unto you, I never knew you depart from me that work iniquity. So he describes those who have been maybe in the church who are not in the faith. Don't let somebody who's in the church who's a hypocrite or who attends a, or ascribes to a religion be the one who keeps you from putting your faith in Christ because you say, well, the religious person, they say they're Christian, but they don't live like a Christian. Do not let that stop you from coming to the kingdom of God because, my friend, there are many, Jesus says, who will even do good deeds. They will cast out devils. They will have great power, but not be yet in the family of God. So this morning, we're not looking at people. We're going to look at Christ. Amen? And when we look at Jesus and look full in his wonderful face, the things of earth become strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. All pathways do not lead to heaven. In the passage before us this morning, we see Jesus was not always politically correct. He was biblically correct. Wouldn't you rather have somebody tell you the truth than, than, to, than to hear a lie and to live a lie and to believe a lie? There are two paths people are on. Every person, every religion, there's two paths that they're on. Either the path, the narrow way, or the broad path that leads to destruction. And many, Jesus said, be they that enter in thereat. Verse 14, he says, because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life. And few there be that, what does he say? Find it. He involves searching. Does it mean we need to work to get saved? Absolutely not. But it means that you're searching for it. And this morning, God doesn't judge your, uh, don't judge your standard by, if you lived a good life, ask yourself, am I walking on the narrow path to put my faith in Christ alone? Um, it has been said, your children are not only heirs to your possessions, they are heirs to your values and character. The most important thing you can instill in them is faith in Jesus Christ. David was a man after God's own heart, yet he had some defects in his life. And his children inherited his values and character. Thank God, though, his son Solomon chose to fear God. But you know what? Solomon followed the sin of his father, which was his, his father had many wives. And Solomon followed the sin of his father and had many more. Um, as the Bible even said, it would happen. Um, so realize David uh, passed on to his child. Uh, yes, his faith, yes, his relationship with God, but also um, his values. God wants your heart, not just part of it. It's not about starting right, it's about finishing right. Um, you see, the difference between a, a blood-bought saint who, who's walking the narrow path and just the average person is, is they're not living a different life on Sunday than they live the rest of the week. See, hypocrites are people who live, have to be different on Sunday. Real Christians are consistent all week long. Amen? And it's exciting when we walk the straight and narrow path. Um, let's, let's make sure that we stay on the straight and narrow way. Look in verse 24. Jesus says, Strive ye to enter in at the straight gate, for many will say unto you, uh, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. He describes them be seeking to enter in the straight gate and not being able. Sorry, that is in Luke 13, verse 24. In Matthew 7, verse 21, Jesus said, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name cast out many devils. Look, our works can't save us. 
All because we uh, see the power of God in our life does not mean, and we should not be the reason we say we're saved. It should be because Jesus Christ dwells in our heart. Let's look at this this morning. A distinct, clear life. Look in verse 13. Jesus says, straight is the gate. He says, narrow is the way. And he says, uh, but he says, broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many there be that go in thereat. Because what? Straight is the gate, narrow is the way, which leadeth unto, what does he say? Life. And few there be that find it. A distinct, clear life. Did you notice this year, we planted a lot of things around here, but there was a lack of fertilizer, wasn't there? And so some of these farmers planted corn, but they didn't put the right fertilizer in there because they didn't have the money for it, maybe. And if you'll notice, if you drive around the farmland, they're harvesting the corn right now, but some of that corn is only about knee-high still. And it should be seven feet tall, six, seven feet tall. It never grew. Because this year, for the first time in many years, they didn't have maybe access to the right fertilizer, maybe the price was too high. For whatever reason, that corn only grew this high. Now, you and I know, if you're going to take all that time and all that diesel to plant that corn... They want to get a harvest. But they didn't get a harvest. And you drive around these fields and you'll see some of these fields never grew up. Why? Because they didn't get the right ingredients. And you can say, well, whatever way they plant the corn is fine. That needed the right fertilizer and didn't have it. The Christian life needs the power of God or it's just a stagnant life. It kind of springs up, but it has no root and it withers away. We need the power of God. A distinct, clear Life. The followers of Jesus walk on a narrow road. They avoid the worldly temptations. And look, we don't have to worry about our reputation when we're obeying Jesus Christ. Isn't that great? Uh, the early church had its greatest impact on the world when it lived least like the world. This distinct, clear life, how is it identified? This distinct, clear life, it's identified by the blood, by the blood of Jesus. Look in Hebrews chapter 9, if you would, in verse 22. Hebrews 9, 22. How is this narrow road described? Hebrews 9 and verse 22. The Bible speaks of the blood and the necessity of the blood. Can you imagine living in Bible days? How much blood was shed? Those animals that were constantly killed for the remission of sins. Look what it says. And almost all things are by the law purged with, what does it say? Blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. Have you thought about that? How much Jesus loved you that he, he shed his blood for you? If one of your loved ones falls and they get a cut and blood starts to pour from their body, what are you going to do? You're just going to let all that blood pour out? What are we going to do? We're going to stop it. But Jesus poured it all out for us. He poured it all out for us. That's how much he loves us. A distinct, clear life identified by the blood. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. Our works can't save us. Only the blood of Jesus forgives and cleanses. Realizing somebody died for me, died for you, it changes the way we live. Only the blood can forgive. Only the blood can cleanse. If, a, if, the life, if life was perfect... We would never see our need for Christ. And I'm so glad God allows testing to help us stay on the straight and narrow path, identified by the blood. Um, 
It's a tried life. It's a tested life. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Acts 4.12. Identified by the blood. Secondly, this, this distinct life, entering in the straight gate, is identified by obedience. Look back, if you would, in verse 21 of Matthew 7. Verse 21 of Matthew 7. Um, it says... But he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Jesus says not everyone is going to go into heaven, but he who does the will of my Father, which is in heaven. What, how do we know what the will of the Father is? Right here. Challenge you, read it. Pour over this book. This book is the pathway to life. I'm so encouraged by a little meeting I got to go to for... A few moments today, uh, no, this week. This week was a busy week. You know, my wife went yesterday with our ladies, and the day before that, she went with our ladies. But the day before that, I went to Plattsburgh to a pastor's meeting. I spent the night there. And uh, then the day before that, we had visitors in here. We had people staying with us. I mean, it's just been a week, okay? It's been a great week. And we had friends from out of town come over, pastor friend come over the other night. I mean, it's been, everybody has been here. It's been a good week. And uh, helping and trying to serve people. And getting away to that meeting, there was a pastor who drove all the way from Kentucky. He drove 14 hours for that meeting. And he preached like a Kentucky boy preaches. And he had such an accent. It was, it was pretty fun listening to him preach and trying to hear and understand everything he was saying. And he preached with passion. And he spoke about what God was doing in his life and how God was working in that church. And, and I tell you, it was challenging. It was helpful. It was, it was encouraging. At the same time, though, he described, and each one of those preachers described, how the devil has tried to take them out of the ministry in the last month or so. Almost every, every preacher I know dealing with that. Uh, why? Uh, because of the, the iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax, wax cold. Uh, the love for Christ and our walk down the straight and narrow path is a distinct and clear life, identified by the blood, identified by our obedience. We need to obey him. We love him because he first loved us. Uh, in 1 Samuel chapter 15, in verse 22, Samuel said, Hath the Lord his great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in... Obeying the voice of the Lord. Obeying the voice of the Lord. Uh, we want to obey Him and honor Him and be in His Word and meditate on His Word. And He really, he really reminded us of this and He challenged the men. He, he said, men, I'm going to speak pretty harsh to you. And He said, men, when's the last time? You, how, how's your daily walk with God? How are you reading in, in the Word? And He said, there's some of you in the room who haven't read your Bible. He said that to them. He said, there's some of you in the room who haven't read your Bible. You didn't read it today. You haven't read it in a while, he said. And he said, you need to get back in the book. My friend, our obedience to the book is essential to our walk with God. Obeying the book. Identified by the blood, identified by our obedience. A lawyer will study the law. A politician tries to understand and study politics. A person who plays sports understands and watches replays of the game. And a Christian must pour over this book and seek to be obedient to it. And I tell you, you say, how, how complicated is the love of God? Well, we love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's convicting if you really think about it. 
And he says, then our neighbor as ourselves. So he speaks of this love that is overwhelming in our obedience to Christ. Our love for God is manifest by our obedience to God. And the basic principles that he has laid out for us, even through something as simple as the Ten Commandments. Jesus spoke of, to those who was listening to him, he said, you're either a child of God or a child of the devil. He said in John 8, 44, ye are of your father the devil. Why does he say that? He says, because the lust of your father ye will do. God has no grandchildren, he only has children. God has no grandchildren, he only has children. And we must choose our master, identified by our obedience to the master. Secondly, this morning, it is a dynamic life, a dynamic life. He describes this in verse 21. He says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Back in verse 14, he speaks of this narrow path, and he says, Few there be that find it. It's a dynamic life. And really, few people actually get into it, he says. Few people actually find it. See, the kingdom of God is compared to a lost treasure. A lost treasure. And what do you do when you lose a treasure? I don't know about you, but when my kids lose a treasure in their pile of toys, they go searching for it. They want to find that treasure. And when they find something new, even like yesterday, we went over to the... Sasquatch Festival. And, uh, you know, there was a Nerf gun, Nerf war, you know, and you could shoot the Nerf, you could shoot all these things, and my little girls were shooting that, and you could get, everybody could shoot until they won a prize. Well, they got a small prize, okay? And that was, there was an S in the bottom of the cup, cup it meant small, which meant you got one of the dollar store items right in the front. And uh, they got one of those little items, and Gwenny got a little rollback car. Well, Lucy got some rubber bands. Well, guess when we got home, guess who was very happy about their, their prize, and guess who was a little bit upset that they only got rubber bands, and that the baby wanted to play with the rubber bands. I tell you, when you get a little rollback car that smashes into the wall and breaks apart into pieces, and you get to put it back together, it's, this is so cool, all right? Um, that's the way we ought to get excited about the Lord. It's a dynamic life. Uh, in the same way a kid will get excited about some new toy, the Lord Jesus Christ is way more valuable and important. Are you that excited about him? He says, few there be that find it. I plead with you, would you get excited about the Lord? You say, but it's not exciting. There's all this trials and tribulation, my friend. Follow the Lord and fall in love with the Lord. It's exciting seeing the Lord change lives. It's exciting seeing what God does as we surrender to him. Um, a dynamic life. This life is structured, a structured life. Look, if you would, in verse 24, Jesus describes this foundation of this structured life. Whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, he says, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a, what does he say? And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon the house. And it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. It is a structured life. Jesus says, follow me in Matthew 4, verse 19. Follow me, and then you can do whatever you want to do, right? What does he say? Follow me, and I will make you what? Fishers of? Fishers of what? Which is why we focus on ministering and helping. We want the men to grow. 
want the men to follow Christ and lead their families. I was, I was encouraged by the men's meeting. There were about 95 men that came to that men's meeting uh, Thursday night. And the, the men seeking to follow Christ. And the, the meeting was called a retreat from your pansy pathetic ways. And you were on this little camp out, and you were sleeping on these little, little mats and everything. And I tell you, yeah, it was a retreat from pansy pathetic ways. Um, uh, there were no hotel. It was West Chasey, uh, New York. It's like there's nothing in that town except for this old camp, rundown camp meeting place. And you know what? But it was a retreat from pansy pathetic ways. Uh, see, following Jesus Christ is leaving ourselves to follow him. Self-centered living never produced followers of Christ. Uh, we're here because we choose to. We're, we follow Christ and we obey him because we choose to. It is a structured life. Um, there are certain things we must seek to do every week if we're going to follow Christ. Uh, let your light so, what does he say? Man, isn't that hard? Sometimes. Because we say, well, what will somebody think if I carry my devotional book to work and put it in the workroom? They might think we're a Christian. What would somebody think if, if I had my Bible with me when I walk out of my house door to go to church? They might think we're Christian. Um, what would somebody think if I talked about the Lord? They might think we're a Christian. We're sometimes too afraid to speak of the most important thing. Every week we must strive to be a witness. Every week we must strive to stay in the Word of God. It is a structured life building on the rock. I want to get right back to the rock. Let's stay on the rock. It is structured. Hey, what's most important this week? Jesus Christ and the Bible and church. That's most important. A structured life. Um, you're only as strong as the structure you allow to be formed in your life. Haphazard Christianity is not dynamic. Your children, my children, will be saved by seeing that we love Jesus and we love the brethren. We love Christians. I was so encouraged. I got to go up to that meeting, up to the, um, up to the festival, and two other churches were giving out things. Two years ago, we gave out things at that, that, that festival, and now two churches that are in that town give out things. And I think that's awesome. I got to go by and visit with those dear folks. Look, we're not in competition, and we got to fellowship with one another, okay? We got to sit down, and we got to talk. It was good. Uh, they're caring about their community. They were giving out uh, water bottles uh, for their community. Uh, they were loving the children. They were loving the brethren. They were caring about people. They were caring about getting the gospel to people. That's the most important thing. And I thought it was so encouraging that they were focused on that and you know, it was the same group of people volunteering that did that. And they had more people volunteering each time they do that. I think that is wonderful. Making the priority, hey, we want to get the gospel to other people. And they took and put together several hundred bottles of water. And we got to enjoy uh, water yesterday, things for the kids. They even made a nice Sasquatch uh, thing to, to, for people to take photos. Um, look, because the most important thing is getting the gospel to other people. It is a structured life. 
It is a structured life. Our, our children will be saved by seeing, look, that we have a good attitude towards Christians and towards the house of God and towards the proclamation of the gospel. Our family and our children have a really good way of knowing uh, what really is important to us. Um, instead of just singing, I've decided to follow Jesus, let's sing, I've decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning back, and no turning back. It's easy to revert back to doing it our own way, but no turning back. No turning back. It's a structured life. A structured life. Secondly, it's a saturated life. This life, this dynamic life is saturated. Jesus said in Matthew 4, verse 4, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by what? Every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. You can't change my life, I can't change your life. God's word can change it. If we both saturate our lives with the Word of God, we will be dynamically changed. The most important question you can ask somebody if you're discipling them is, Hey, how's your walk with God? Have you read through the Bible? How's your reading of the Word of God? This is the most important thing. If we will get to a regular diet in this book, we'll be strong. In the same way an athlete needs to eat good food, a Christian needs a good dose of the Word of God every day. Amen? It is a saturated life. You may... Uh, be here today this morning and you may have not put your faith yet in Jesus Christ. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And as you keep hearing the word of God, God speaking to you, you say, well, how could I ever come to a place where I leave my sin and trust Christ? How could I ever come to a place where I walk on the straight and narrow path? It's by faith. In the same way a little child learns to walk, you say, how are they ever going to learn to walk? And then parents, you figure it out, right? They learn how to walk. Um, you say, how are they ever going to learn how to, how to throw that ball? Because they, they can't figure it out as a little tiny child. But then they figure it out. In the same way, when you put your faith in Christ, at the beginning, you don't understand how to do it. At the beginning, it all seems new to you. But by putting your faith in Christ and trusting the Master, you begin to follow Him. It is a saturated life. And to the extent we allow ourselves to be continually saturated, to the extent we grow. A dynamic Life. You see a Christian with a dynamic life? They've been around the Word of God. They have some structure. And they allow the Word to saturate their life. Thirdly, this morning, it is a destined life. Thank God for that. Verse 14. It says, because straight is the gate and narrow is the way, it says, which leadeth unto life. Which leadeth unto life. It is a destiny. It is a, it is a, it is a trip with a destiny. It leads to life. A destined life. When we choose to forsake all others and turn to Christ, we now have a new destination, eternal life. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 55 through 57. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? But thanks be to God, which should give us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. When we choose to put our faith in Christ, we choose to enter in to the narrow path, trusting in Christ alone. And this narrow path is a secure path. Don't you like to know if the path is secure, if the way is strong and straight? It is a destined life. There is a destiny, an eternal destiny. Let's look at this destiny. It's holy. Jesus speaks of this in verse 15. Beware of, what does he say, what kind of prophets? Hmm. There's a lot of that today. False prophets. The more we saturate ourselves with the book, the more we will be able to identify this. False prophets. Not every Christian teacher will tell you the truth. Um, there is much today simply focused on telling people what they want to hear uh, to grow a crowd. 
And not every Christian teacher will tell you the truth. So how do we enter in the straight gate? By holy living, avoiding false teaching, learning the truth. 1 John chapter 3, verse 3. And every man that hath this hope in him, every man that's saved, purifieth himself even as he is pure. Following Jesus involves turning all of our attention back to him. It's a holy life. It has been said that the behavior of some children suggests their parents embarked on the sea of matrimony without a paddle. Now, I did not come up with that on my own, but I, I thought that was quite humorous. And I saw that, ran across that a number of years ago. Um, look, you need a paddle to go up the sea. You need to have some uh, uh, destination in mind following Christ. And by the way, a Christian marriage, a Christian home is a paddle upstream. And yes, the paddle has two meanings, okay? Um, and, but uh, that is a paddling up the hill, climbing the upward way. The life following Christ is a holy life. It's set apart. John 3, verse 3, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. See, I can't understand those spiritual things. Why? Because they're spiritually discerned. In verse 14 of, of John chapter 3, Christ was lifted up and that all, whosoever believeth in him should be saved. The Bible says he that comes to the light in John chapter 3 verse 16, uh, it tells us that we can come, we can believe. But it says if we come to the light, we, if we come to the word of God and we put our faith in Christ, we're going to want to keep coming back to the light that our deeds may be reproved. The darker the night, the brighter the light. Jesus is in the business of transforming lives. Aren't you thankful for that? Amen. My friend, if you haven't trusted in him today, don't wait any longer. Come to him without delay. And today, uh, don't wait to get rid of all your bad habits. Come and repent, and he'll give you the power to become the child of God. Jesus never said, clean up your life and then come to me. He said, come to me and I'll clean up your life. He makes all things new. How did the maniac of Gadara get restored? He came and put his faith in Christ. He trusted in Jesus. That's how he got restored. And look, those demons left, and they went in all those pigs, and man, all that pork went down the hill. Nobody go around and don't take a demon-possessed person by my pigs, all right? I do not want them to run down the hill and drown, okay? Um, but you see that in the Bible, how that happened, right? You see the power of those demons, and today, I believe that the demons are alive, they are at work, and by the grace of God, we can rebuke them. By the grace of God, we can believe God for the eternal and the power that only comes from Christ. And many, many things that are going on in the world today, my friend, are demonic. Even going through the festival yesterday, yes, there was a medium there. Yes, there was a sign reader, a hand reader, a palm reader there at the festival. The, and, and you know what? The darkness that was on those people's faces, it was so sad. I walked by that and said, man, I want my kids to walk away from that mess. Why? It, the darkness was so apparent. Men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. It's a holy life. We don't need to go explore that side to figure out how things are, my friend. It's dark. It leads to darkness. We don't want to go that way. But as many as received him, Jesus said in John 1.12, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. It's a holy life. And secondly, in regard to this destined life, it is a heavenly life. Hebrews 11 verse 16 said, But now they desire a better country that is heavenly, 
Wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. How's your life? This world is not our home. We're just passing through. You know, this world is going to be burned up one day. And only that which is eternal will last forever. The Bible also speaks of the life of the Christian. How one day it's going to be tried. And only gold, silver, and precious stones. And by the way, that's not if we collected them. Okay? Gold, silver, and precious stones. What is eternal in our lives is what will last. Let's focus on the eternal instead of on the temporary. On the temporal. Are you living your life for this world or for heaven? A Christian lives his life for heaven because of his delights or in the things of God. He has a priority. His priority is that I may know him in the power of his resurrection. Don't you want Jesus Christ to come in your home, transform it, work in your family, work in your community? I want Jesus to be exalted, don't you? Let's let him come in. We want to live a heavenly life. You say, but there's trouble in this world. Yes, in this world you shall have tribulation, but greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. A destined life which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. A heavenly life. There was a teenage boy down the street growing up. I remember as a child, I went to the, the prayer events and I got so excited about that youth prayer events, hearing the preaching and hearing God work, that I remember inviting the young man up the street to come with me to the prayer events. I remember how he had walked back from school every day with his head down like this, just down. And his sister. I remember sitting in my house, finishing up my homeschooling, looking out the window thinking, man, I want that boy to go to heaven. I want him to go with me to heaven. And walking out and trying to talk with him. Inviting him to church. Some years went by. Some time went by. And I remember my brother and I went hiking. There was a school built back behind our house. And we went hiking back in there. And we noticed there was a kind of a party scene back there in the woods right behind his house. I remember getting burdened for that teenager. God would touch him. And I remember trying to talk to him again. I went off to Bible college. I remember I came back. Ambulance flew by the house. Police cars. He died from an OD in his house. I remember going to his funeral. Funeral of the Abbey family. And all those dark teenagers all standing around, so depressed, so sad. And I remember thinking, man, what a wasted life. I just wanted him to get saved. I wanted him to know Jesus. And I remember being able to talk with the family a little bit. The family today still lives in that house. Still burdened for the rest of the family to put their faith in Christ. But he had such a bright life ahead of him. He was such a young child. Such a young child had such a bright future ahead of him. And I wonder if I could have said something different to him. And to this day, the earnestness and the eagerness by which I seek to pursue souls is birthed in some ways out of that. Watching my neighbor, thinking as a teenager, man, if I could have done something different to help that boy get saved. Does that grip you? What could I have done to try to help somebody come to Christ? Don't let us live in guilt. But let it drive us forward. 
I don't want another soul to go with it till a Christless eternity. We don't want another soul to perish without putting their faith in Christ. We don't want to just improve their life. We want their life to be transformed by the word of God. And to them that have received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. I don't want anybody else to perish. And when I saw my neighbor, and I got, went to his funeral, and I saw his sister there weeping, and I thought to myself, man, what could I have done to help that boy? And I knew I did invite him. I did plead with him, would you please come with me? Would you please come with me? I'm too busy, he said. I'm too busy, he said. Too busy doesn't get someone into heaven. My friend, let us not be on the other side, having put our faith in Christ, and be too busy to tell the good news. Today we need to tell the good news to somebody who's never heard. Today we need to invite somebody. But today we also need to plead with with the Lord in prayer. Lord, would you help me to be a witness? Lord, would you help me give me a burden to care about souls? Because if I'm on the straight path, I'm going to want to bring other people on the straight path because not many people are going on the straight path. Have you entered in at the straight gate? Is your life distinct, dynamic? And do you look to heaven as your destination? Uh, Does your life show you're following Christ 100%? Remember what Jesus said, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. We want to do his will. Let's focus our life on doing his will. One of the men that was speaking at the meeting this week, he's been pastoring the same church for 20 years. And he told us of what he still does every week at the church. He stills the man who has to clean the church, and he stills the man who mows the grass every week. And I thought to myself, wow, he's been there pastoring 20 years, and he still works self-employed in construction to help fund the church. And I thought to myself, wow, where's the church that will rally around him and help the gospel to go forward? Because Jesus saves we want the gospel to go forward. And we want souls to be one to Christ. And I saw this man in his 60s, and I thought, man, how many more years does he have to serve the Lord? And a young man's going to come in his shoes. Who is going to proclaim the gospel? Let us have a passion to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ to those that have never heard. It is a straight path. It is a narrow road. And we need to be burdened about it. We want to lead others onto this path. Not by doing good deeds, my friend, but by faith in Jesus Christ. And if you've never put your faith in him, would you call upon him today? Jesus saves. If you've never put your faith in him, you need to ask him to be your savior. You need to repent, turn from your own sins, your old way. Say, I trust in Jesus alone today. I put my faith in him, and I'm going to trust in him. Do you think God will forgive you? Absolutely, he'll forgive you. And you say, well, what do I have to do? You come to him. You release everything and you just give it to him. You say, but I can't release this. Release it. Take his burden upon you. His burden's light. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. Cast your burdens upon the Lord and he will sustain you. Let's ask the Lord to help us this morning that we might follow Christ. That we might live a dynamic life following him. Let's stand together for prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed. And in this moment of invitation... However the Lord might be speaking to us, we want to do business with the Lord. We want to lead our family up the narrow way. In heaven, we're never going to be asked how how our stocks did. We're never going to be asked how um, what kind of car we bought. In, in heaven, we're never going to be asked um, 
whether or not which school we put our kids in, uh, my friend, in heaven, the one thing that's going to matter is eternal life and who was led to Christ. Straight is the gate, narrow is the way. The most important thing, are we on the narrow path? And then are we leading others on that narrow path? Would you ask God to help you with it? I need his help. We together need to strive together to proclaim the good news that Jesus saves. With our heads bowed, with our eyes closed, maybe this morning in a moment of invitation, as the piano is going to play in just a moment, maybe you just slip your hand up and you'd say, you know what, Pastor Dan, the truth is I'm not sure if I'm saved. I don't know Jesus. The truth is maybe you've never asked Jesus to save you. You're not sure you're saved. You're not sure you're on the straight path. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. I just want to remember you in prayer. Maybe you're here this morning. You're not sure you're saved. Would you slip your hand up? For the God that sees and knows, I want to pray for you this morning. If you're not sure you're saved, you're not sure you're saved, would you slip your hand up? Maybe you're here as a Christian this morning and God's just burdening you. You want to lead others on the straight and narrow path. And you know that's what the Lord wants you to do. And it's just, you've been struggling with it for a while. Maybe you're a little embarrassed, a little shy. In the same way those military people rushed in quickly to rescue their comrades from the helicopter. May we rush in quickly to rescue others from the grips of Satan. Maybe the Lord's speaking with you about that, just having a burden for the lost around you, leading others on the straight and narrow path. If that's you, would you slip your hand up? God's speaking to me, Pastor. God speaks to me about having a burden for the lost, having a burden for the lost. Let's take a moment to respond to the Lord this morning. God spoke to you. Would you leave your seat would you come forward and would you pray would you ask the lord to work as only he can do let's take a moment to respond to him however the lord's leading you would you pray would you respond to him ask the lord to give you a burden to reach souls for christ